All right, Anastasia, welcome to uh, episode 201 of the Blockhash podcast. Happy to have you here. How are you doing? Well, Brandon, I'm doing fantastic and very happy to be here. Um, interestingly enough, I'm actually watching a few of your podcasts. So when this opportunity came around, I was very excited. Oh, very cool. Which ones uh, do you like the most? Um, to be honest, uh, during the weekends, it's my Sunday activity. I just go through the old podcasts that I missed mm -hmm. and I just listen to everything just to catch up. So I'm kind of behind, but I'm getting there. I appreciate it. We have so many guests that come on these days, um, like sometimes like four or five in a week. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you, that you enjoy them and, um, and that we have some fans on the podcast now too. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Anastasia, tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background. Um, you know, how did you find yourself getting into this space? Like what's, what's your story? So, um, well, to begin with, I'm Anastasia Popnikova. I'm a co-founder and head of legal and operations at Blockbank. Mm -hmm. And how I joined crypto, that was, that was actually quite an interesting story because um, I was working uh, in The Hague, uh, in the Netherlands. And that was, I believe, 2012. And I was working at the European Union law enforcement agencies. And that was the time when we heard about Silk Road and Bitcoin and Hot Web. And it was so different and exciting. But that was my very first interaction. You know, you would say from the mainstream point, very traditional. Oh, crypto is used for various purposes. Mm -hmm. But the thing that fascinated me the most was the technology. So I didn't only heard Bitcoin. I read them, Moshe's white paper. And being from Eastern Europe and seeing currencies collapse and, for instance, parents' savings burn, I saw the value and basically the financial revolution of digital money and what they can bring. And since then, I, I just stayed kind of up to date on what's happening. I, um, I was a, a legal counsel at Eurojust, it's one of the European Union law enforcement activities. Then I was an in-house legal uh, in one of the big German firms. And then I slowly but surely completely moved to blockchain and crypto. I uh, worked with Lithuanian regulator, I'm originally from Lithuania, in drafting some of the cryptocurrencies laws, working there with, with um, our fintech and crypto community. And then I was working for one Canadian publicly traded company where we did integrate blockchain predictive analytics for cannabis efficacy tracing. So it's because blockchain can, that's the main purpose of blockchain besides financial. So, and now since 2018, we were very busy with Blockbank, building our app, releasing it. So this is how I get familiar with crypto and never left basically. Nice. We all have interesting stories and in how we get into the space. It's cool. One of the things I love about the podcast the most is when I have different people on um, every single week, you hear some very interesting stories and they're almost all different. Um, everyone gets into the space for different reasons, um, have different motives. Um, what, what was the reason to start BlockBank? Was there anything in particular that made you guys want to do that um, or any kind of motivation? Um, well, probably you remember as well as we do. Remember the paper wallets and how you used mm -hmm. to write everything down and yeah. then it evolved. And in uh, 2017, I joined um, a company called Eastlands, and now it's Aave, uh, one of the biggest lending, well, the biggest lending protocol on in the blockchain space. The main purpose of BlockBank is to make crypto easy. So we decided to build something that will look just as your banking app or Robinhood, but for crypto. 
But then we realized, no, it shouldn't be only for crypto. We should do more. And then we just came up with an idea of all encompassing one app. Because crypto and finances, it's an extension of us. We And we're sitting on our phones and laptops. So we just decided to build an app that consists of four pillars. So one is very traditional financial fiat, transfers, top-ups, etc. And then we developed quite an interesting browser. And we released that in 2018. Just when the bear market starts. <laughs> so that was just well done for us. But, um, you know, we self-funded. We gathered a lot of feedback from the community. We didn't get any external funding and we were not looking for it. And then we just started building more and more features. And then we realized the biggest barrier to entry is just lack of education. For us, it's easy. We know how not to get rock pool. We know how to protect our assets and how to get a, protect our wallets and how to do research. But it's not... It won't help an average retail user that would like to own some crypto and do some transactions. So then we developed very convenient dev browser. Then we added more features. And now we have four internal teams working on robo-advisory that will basically allow you to get insights on how things work, why things work, what's happening on the market. Because you know very well, it's physically almost impossible to stay up to date. And then we, we see very, very sad stories what happening to users. So education and very convenient technical implementation, is this is where we stand. We want to educate our users, hence robot advisory with a lot of insights and just a proper, good, very convenient tech. And we built it in one app. So with one swipe, you can go from DeFi, where we don't own any of your assets, your, your keys, your crypto concept, to centralized services where users can just interact in more, I would say, traditional and accustomed way, like they do with their banks. So that was, we wanted to have something that we didn't have in 16, 17, and 18. How do you uh, go about combining that aspect between DeFi and CeFi, having those decentralized um, you know, crypto services, but also maintaining a bit of a centralized side? Is there any issues um, or hurdles that you had to go through to make that happen? Oh, yes. And our CTO <laughs> can actually complain quite a bit, but we... We were not in the rush to build. So we said we draw an infrastructure. The main um, difference, and I would say even hurdle for us, was to develop a really proper user journey. Because we give users um, basically a choice. If you want to stay in DeFi site without any CFIs, fair, just do that. But then if you swipe, then you have to go through PYC because we as a company are legally responsible and we have different requirements we need to fulfill. And then you just serve in the more secured CFI sites. So this is, but it's a very elegant one swipe. We're very happy when that feature was implemented, tested, and then went into production. Got it. Are you guys a fully um, chartered bank in the US or where, where is it based? Uh, so uh, Blog Bank, we are fairly decentralized as well, actually. Mm -hmm. Plus due to COVID, the, uh, it took us a good year until the whole team was able to sit in, in one place. So our main head of oper uh, operations, uh, we are in Lithuania, Vilnius, because it's a, just a fantastic place to build a pool of talent and very friendly regulator allows us to do and develop really quickly. So uh, we, at the moment, because we wanted to go as fast as possible to market, well, uh, we are working under sub-licenses of other uh, financial institutions, but we are in the process of getting our own uh, pay uh, payment institutions. For now, uh, we have license in the Republic of Estonia. We have payments license in Australia. 
who applied for one in Lithuania, and we're just slowly but surely getting there. Got it. Um, who who can use this? Who can sign up for it? Um, is this um, available globally to anybody or certain jurisdictions, or where has this been rolled out to? So for now, we're available everywhere, uh, excluding North America, but that is actually being fixed right now because uh, all management team is in Canada and US just finalizing and getting for North American launch as well. It's uh, because you know very well, North America is unforgiving and very difficult. So sure. we, we want to do everything right very first time. But we expect that Q1 will be able to onboard um, Canadian and uh, American users. What about in uh, South America? Like, for example, I live in Colombia right now, um, and there's a huge need for something like this where you have access uh, to crypto, but able to spend your crypto still to maybe do deposits and withdraws and have um, different onboarding methods, on-ramps, off-ramps. Are you in South America at all as well? Or, um, or, or where, where in total are you guys? So um, thank you that you mentioned South America. That was my... <laughs> Another next, because we were going global and we're going in stages because the okay. team is still fairly small. But um, just two weeks ago, we received our wallet and cryptocurrency exchange license from El Salvador. Mm -hmm. And we do have a small office and presence there. So we, we are building and redesigning application for South America. And at the moment, we're working with our partners just to launch not only cards, but also fiat on runs and off runs. Hopefully, fingers crossed, end of January, beginning of February, we'll do that. South America is, um, first of all, it's a very big market, and it's still very undisturbed markets. And you know very well the fees, just the horrible fees that people are paying just for online purchases and additional taxes that are totally unnecessary. So, but we're trying to do, for now, we secured Europe. We know everything is working. Everything's working for Australian users. And then when that's done, and so we're proceeding to, to more jurisdictions. Yeah, I always find that the biggest issue with these projects is um, getting banks to work with you so that you can like link a bank account or allow deposits and withdrawals. Um, is that the most common onboarding method into BlockBank or what are your onboarding methods? Uh, so there are few aspects. Uh, some of the users, and I would say based on our stats, maybe. Uh, 10 to 15%, depending on the month, uh, mm -hmm. they do not touch fiat at all. They're just not interested. Mm -hmm. They deposit their stables, they use them, then they exit them, even on the CFI side, for instance. Um, but for more retail users and let's say new buyers, new entries to the space, um, yes, usually you will top up your account through uh, credit cards or just wire, etc. And yes, then just the onboarding process with those financial institutions usually is very complex. And but we just took it as a challenge. We developed our proper internal AML and monitoring policies, including on-chain analytics, and, and we got onboarded. It's not easy, but this is what we have to do. It's a it's a struggle because amount of compliance we have to go through is this much bigger than any other project or just any other industry. But it's, um, I think we will change their vision and how they see cryptocurrency only if we comply. And we just show it's just a technology. There is nothing extraordinary. Or there are no really additional risks. How can people spend their money? I saw you guys had a card. Um, is it usable at like ATMs and stuff like that? Or, or what? where is it available? Is it through Visa or MasterCard? 
Uh, yes, so at the moment we are finalizing the issuance of the cards, okay. uh, and it will be again available per jurisdiction. First of all, we want European Union and Australia, then, uh, as I mentioned, uh, South America, and then um, Canada and the US. So we it did take us a bit longer than expected, but with the COVID and just different different aspects, again we wanted to make it right, and we didn't want to. Um, issue our users of cards where with a horrendous speed so we're really looking for our provider just to to get a better deal for, for, for our users are there going to be fees on the cards or are they going to be fee-less uh, most of them will be fee-less and uh, again because we have our own token bbank um, it will allow you some discounts and just the general usage within the app just to reduce some fees and um, some fees unfortunately are necessary just to make sure that we work because we have to bring volume also to the providers on the, on the back end. But we're trying to keep them as minimal as possible. Have you considered working with like uh, payment processors like PayPal and stuff like that, maybe to do withdrawals? Because like, I know that they're getting into crypto as well. Um, any possible future integrations there? Um, well, as soon as PayPal will actually start implementing that, mm-hmm. then we'll definitely do that. But you know, with the bigger companies, they declare something on Twitter and stock goes up and then it takes them half a year to a year to actually enable that feature. But yes, mm-hmm. it's um, all major, uh, major traditional digital wallets down our radar because we want to, you have to be able to spend it just like you spend in your normal banking or any financial app. So that this is our goal and we, but because we built everything from the ground up and we did it in very modular way. So if something becomes available, we can just plug it in. And if something, if we're not happy with something, we can just disable that feature or then just walk up tech. Got it. I also saw that you guys um, are focusing a lot on staking as well. And you guys are doing like a 24% APY, as high as 30% APY uh, staking your guys' token. Um, tell me a little bit more about that. So we do want to incentivize our users to stay with the app and mm-hmm. use the app as well as uh, to bring additional utility to the token. And uh, we are using uh, different uh, asset management techniques in order to provide those uh, APYs. And the, the highest percentage is available for uh, tier five of our token holders. And those are bigger whales and bigger supporters that really do believe in us. Because in order to get that, they have to lock their tokens for a very significant amount of time. It's 184 days. So it, it allows us to, to see some just positive movement on the app basically downloads because in order to do that you have to to download the app so we're trying to increase adoption for financial incentives basically got it what's the utility of the token Uh, due to the fact that app consists of different pillars there is a feature basically for everyone so app will be a actual utility app you would like to get a really detailed insights from robo advisory then if you have certain amount of tokens you will get it for free so same with the spending same with them different uh, cashbacks and rewards we're integrating with quite few partners both in the cfi and DeFi space and that will allow us for instance when we integrate decentralized insurance uh, our token holders will be able to get a discount on those fees etc got it um, I also notice you guys have a lending and borrowing feature as well. Um, are they able to do that through stable coins um, in the wallet or uh, directly through BlockBank or through the token? Or how does that work as well? 
So um, at the moment, the um, lending and borrowing that is available is through the DAB browser, very seamless integration to the lending and borrowing protocols. So this is what we have right now. What do what we do intend to release? Well, it's, everything will depend on how soon our regulator will issue us a license. Hopefully it will become soon because we applied already some time ago. And then we'll enable uh, lending through our, um, uh, through our token as well as some stables. And then we are being conservative in releasing the features because not only we want to make sure that everything works financially, like meaning financial models, but also want to make sure that users A, want it and B, we tested it enough. So sometimes certain things take longer, but when we release something, everything goes through a third party audit as well. So it's a, it's a kind of arduous process, but we're not going to change that. But those staking, lending and borrowing is coming as well. Got it. Um, let me ask you a much bigger picture question outside of just block bank. What do you think the future of banking is going to look like, you know, now that we have crypto a bit more mainstream now, um, solutions like this with block bank that can combine DeFi and CeFi um, and do all these things and offer all these products and financial services. How do you see, you know, the future of banking kind of evolving? Well, I think slowly but surely, A, banks they do realize that we're not only their biggest clients but they do want to hold some digital assets and they do listen to what their biggest clients are saying and then it will be just a cascade of adoption um i remember in 2017 it was almost impossible even to open a bank account mm -hmm. for crypto companies so they see yeah. <laughs> but banks they're not charity organizations if volume is big enough they will change their policies and they will be onboarding but from even bigger picture, I see that banks, they will just, they'll be buying successful startups or startups with the technology they're interested in. They like to say, oh, we have a legacy technology, which means it's very old. So for them, it won't make sense to develop their own. I think they'll be just buying a very promising technology startups, acquiring that IP and just implementing it. And you can see amount of publicly traded companies that are and are trying to touch or play with DeFi, mm -hmm. which even a year ago wasn't heard of. It's not a very traditional Bitcoin ETF or ETH ETF. It's something very different that's saying, this is your access to DeFi and retail investors just all jump in. So we see that the process has started and a lot of, to be honest, even on-chain analytics and just different hedge fund reports, they say that 2022, we're not going to stop. Adoption is only growing, especially when, well, when money printers just went completely brrr. Do you think a lot of these banks, um, you know, that are, you know, exploring this stuff and crypto and digital assets and DeFi, mostly because they feel they might become irrelevant or insolvent at some point, given the fact that everything's gone digital and has gone towards blockchain. Um, it, it feels like that, you know, could potentially be the direction. And you got large corporations like Facebook and Amazon and um, that are very capable of taking over banking, at least on a smaller level, and that have in a lot of ways in terms of payments and remittance. Um, do you think maybe that they're kind of at threat as well of maybe disappearing or becoming irrelevant? I think I, I do agree with you, but I think the biggest threat is uh, very large monopoly companies. As you mentioned, Google Pay, mm -hmm. Apple Pay, how do they do that? Well, because they have certain financial payment licenses and they can process those transactions. And it's very convenient and hence this is why we use it. With the banks, I think with them, um, governmental digital currencies they're coming they're coming if not in two years in five or seven years so 
I don't think they will become irrelevant simply because they have so much funding and resources that they can survive. But what I do believe that with a new generation of users like us and younger, they will have to adjust and adapt. And I think that adjustment is going to be something quite pleasant as long as they, as long as the overall industry will develop and they will have a good competition. Because why, why are they even starting to improve their applications and web services? Simply because users like us demanded it. So as long as there is a user demand, I see a bright future for the industry. Regarding banking, they, they're so well-funded and they're so old. And now you know that we can just completely operate even in the DeFi way. We can borrow, we can lend, we can stake, we can go through OTC brokers, etc. So technically, if you are real hardcore crypto guy or girl, you don't need them. You can completely operate in this side of the world with a, with a good accountant that will help you with your taxes and you don't need banks. Yeah, I, I, I think banks will evolve. I, I'd be a little afraid if I was a bank, you know, running on tech from the 80s and 90s still, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> um, then now wanting to make the leap into blockchain and crypto and DeFi, um, I'd be a little concerned if I were them. And then on top of that, you know, if you have central banks or the Federal Reserve putting out like digital dollars, CBDCs, which seems to be the trend now, then, you know, they're really kind of being pushed to the edge here to, to do something. So I think we'll see a very quick change probably really soon. Um, I think we'll see change. I don't think it will be quick. They're simply too big. Mm-hmm. There's simply too big amount of people and lack of innovation that is within the banks. Because if you are very bright young mind, would you go to work for the bank or you will go for to work for some crypto or fintech projects? Because mm-hmm. salaries at the moment are very compatible. So would you like to be all suited up and going to your office or would you like to be working with your teammates in the cool office doing something good? So they uh, just recently I was reading, reading some reports on how banks are also struggling to hire. Now all of us are competing for talents, but banks are struggling especially because what they can do, they can just increase salaries. But salary is not everything. They, I, I don't think they'll have enough talent pool, to be honest, to, to make transition quickly. Yeah, their market share is going to diminish very, very quickly if they don't evolve. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years with them. Yeah, definitely. Um, Anyways, before we wrap up, uh, tell me what your guys' roadmap looks like going into 2022. What are some things that you're most excited about with BlockBank and things that you guys are going to be launching or implementing? Or um, maybe it's new jurisdictions, maybe it's the card, maybe it's new features. Um, what, what's what's exciting for you guys? So um, I'm very excited about our robo-advisory because now we're in the stage of testing and basically teaching our our little robo-advisor, who sometimes still does quite hilarious mistakes, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But amount of data that we're accumulating and then putting into data lake and analyzing and processing, our machine learning engineers are building models on how to improve it. And we will see actual results in the Q1 of 2022. And this is actually something that anyone, person that never heard of crypto or what is that? Oh, is that Bitcoin? Who uses that? And there are still millions of those people. We'll take it. We'll just and just navigate with the robo advisor like they do with Siri. This is this is our goal to make it as easy as that. Um, when it comes to other features, uh, we have a dedicated internal team that is working on different integrations with projects such as um, Elrond and Chainlink, um, as well as a lot of DeFi projects that we partnered with. So we want to become 
Expedia of crypto. This is our goal. Mm -hmm. So everything, it's a big aggregator of all financial services, everything you need just in one app. And when we launch all those features, I think then we'll be very excited. So it's, um, I'm looking forward to 2022. It sounds like a very large undertaking, but it also sounds very exciting. So hoping, wishing the best for you guys. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyways, where can people go to sign up, learn more, maybe open an account or kind of get started? Um, Where should they go? Just the website or is there other places? Um, So I would suggest to go to our website because they will have a dedicated 24-7 team. And sometimes all of us, even founders, are taking questions. And there you can find everything, all the onboarding, every question. We're there 24-7 to help and to support you. Perfect. Um, I'll be sure to put links and stuff in the description below for the episode so people can easily find it and, and get to that info and that stuff and sign up. Anyways, Anastasia, thank you for taking the time to come on today. really appreciate it. Fun conversation. Um, learned a lot about what you guys are doing with BlockBank and very excited. Well, Brendan, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. See you next time. Bye.